What is life all about? Today's gospel is about the nature of true life and the folly of thinking that life consists in accumulating possessions. The question of life's meaning arises, surprisingly enough, out of a domestic property dispute. A man said to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Their father probably left his farm as a unit to the brothers. Under Jewish law, the elder was entitled to a double portion, so he would have received two-thirds and the younger brother one-third. The younger brother seems to have wanted to sell the property in order to get his share for himself, but he needed his brother's permission to do so. Now, Jesus does not respond by getting into the legal aspects of inheritance law. Rather, he sees that there is a deeper problem that needs to be addressed. The younger brother has misunderstood what life is all about. He thought that if he only had a few more possessions for himself, he would be happy. So Jesus uses this as an opportunity to warn this brother as well as the crowd about the danger of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But even here, the danger of greed is that it will distract us from life's deeper purpose. Even Jesus' initial response, who made me a judge over you, should clue us into this. Jesus is our ultimate judge, not of petty financial disputes, but the one to whom we will give an account for how we have lived our lives. <coughs> if we consider the rampant consumerism of our culture, and if we're honest, the way that we live our own lives, I think it would be fair to say that Jesus' message has not exhausted its relevance. So what can we learn today from this parable about the nature and meaning of life? First, Jesus warns us against the danger of greed. The problem is not wealth or possessions as such, but the desire to possess more than what is right and appropriate, an insatiable desire that becomes the focus of a person's life, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus actually uses a play on words to make this point. He uses two different words for life in this passage. Zoe is true life, the eternal and unchanging life of God, which he offers to us as a gift. It is on our end a relationship with the living God. This is the word he uses here. For one's Zoe does not consist in the abundance of possessions. The other word is psuche, which is where we get our word psyche or psychology. And this can mean soul or life in general, but it can also mean the life we choose to live, life that is identified by our goals, values, and commitments. The parable Jesus tells is intended to show us that if we are to enjoy true life, zoe, our goals and values, our psuche, must be oriented to God. Well, if true life is being in relationship with God, then trying to find life through the accumulation of possessions is a hopeless struggle. 
the rich man in the parable illustrates this in several ways. First, he's trying to feed the desire for imperishable life with perishable food. That's like trying to deposit monopoly money in your bank account. It's not going to work. And this is because a relationship is just simply not something that you can buy. When Jesus says, the things you have prepared, whose will they be? He may have the younger brother in mind, the one who was scrambling for part of his father's inheritance, to get him to see that in a short while, his children will be doing precisely the same thing for his goods. In other words, it's foolish to think that things can satisfy our longing for life. Second, it blinds him to the good that he could be doing. He says, I have no place to store my crops. Can you imagine having no concept of what to use wealth for except to hoard it for oneself? I love what Augustine says about this parable. The rich man did not realize that the bellies of the poor are much safer storerooms than his barns. True life consists in being rich toward God, being good stewards of the time and gifts and possessions we've been entrusted with, and then using them for God's work and glory. Third, the parable shows us that wealth gives us the illusion of security and control, but ultimately our days are in the hands of God. The man says to himself, eat, drink, and be merry. But he forgot that the rest of the verse from Isaiah says, for tomorrow we die. (laughs) One of the most striking features of the story actually is that the rich man is the only character for the first four-fifths of the parable. He's the one making all the decisions. He talks only to himself. In a rather pathetic monologue, he says, I will say to my soul, soul? He has no one else to talk to. And his only concern is for himself. Until, in the very last verse, another character enters the story. And the shocking truth is that this character is also the author of the rich man's story. This very night, your life, your psuche, is demanded of you. He, like each one of us, must give an account for how he chose to live his life to the one who is the judge, not of trivial matters, but of the only thing that ultimately matters, how he has responded to the God of life. In in another place, Jesus taught us that the only way to secure our life is to give it away for God. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Have we, like the rich man in the parable, tried to satisfy our longing for eternal life through the accumulation of things? Have we oriented our lives around perishable rather than imperishable goods? May this parable be for us an advance warning so that we might resist the futile attempt to purchase a life of meaning and instead receive life as a gift. May we live lives that are rich toward God so that when our time is up and our earthly lives come to an end, 
we may enjoy the true life that is ours even now in all its glorious fullness.